The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 121. New Zealand is the only country with the right to put Hobbit-related images on its currency. Making it the envy of multiple countries around the world, I'm sure. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and today's episode is part two of my interview with Scott Manning from 12countries.com. And if you missed part one, Scott talks all about how traveling with an infant is not only possible, but also how it's fun and how it's a lot easier than most people think. So if you're someone who wants some advice on traveling with an infant, yesterday's episode was awesome. Scott gave some incredible advice. So if you want to check that out, you can do that extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. Of course, that's on iTunes or Stitcher or however you listen to the podcast. I'm super excited about today's episode because in this episode, Scott dives into his exact budget, how they're able to stick to their budget, and it's really great to hear really specific numbers. So many times people talk about having a travel budget, but they don't give you these specific numbers. Scott dives right into that, talks about specific numbers that they spent in certain countries. Also, I make him answer the question of what his favorite countries were so far and also his least favorite. He tries to dodge around it in the beginning, but I don't let him do that, and it's very interesting to hear what his favorite countries were versus what his wife's favorite countries were. So we talk all about travel tips and tricks for saving money on the road, how to get great deals on accommodations. And we also link up specific accommodations and rentals that Scott had in the countries that he visited. So if you're interested in that, you can find that at the show notes, extrapackofpants.com slash pods. Maybe you can even stay in one of the great places that Scott recommended and stayed at himself. So let's get right into it. Part two of my interview with Scott Manning of 12 countries. Twelve countries, twelve months. I want to talk about the places that you visited, and give us a quick rundown or a brief summary of each one of them. Just kind of your your unfiltered opinions of, hey, we were here, we loved it because blah blah blah, or we didn't like it because this or that. So I'll just kind of start off by where we've been and then where we're planning on going. We started off in New Zealand, made our way to Australia, and then Taiwan, uh, Philippines, the UK, England, Manchester area, Italy. Uh, We just came from Morocco, and here we are in South Africa. And then next month, we're going to be in Chile. Following that is Ecuador. Following that is either Costa Rica or Panama or somewhere in that area of Central America. And then we're actually going to finish out in the U.S., but in somewhere we haven't lived before, such as New York or Boston or something that's just a completely different experience than what we've gone through before. So as far as each place, you know, we've got, you know, kind of a different perspective on it because we know we can't sit here and say, oh, yeah, I know Australia or, oh, yeah, I've been to Philippines. I know what it's all about. We don't want to pretend that we do either. 
And so that's another reason why I wanted to focus on one specific area is because we could at least say, you know, hey, I know Dumaguete in the Philippines or I know Kaohsiung in Taiwan. And even then briefly, because you can't really know a place in under a month, even one small city is a huge undertaking to be able to try and do that. But at the same time, we've experienced it enough to get a feel for what it's like to live there, what it's like to be in an expat or be someone who's going to be there longer term, what kind of uh, problems we would see and then what kind of advantages that we would have from it. And uh, that right there is kind of the perspective that we wanted to get. And as well, now all of a sudden we have a home base, you could say, for every country that we've been to so that we can come back and then explore from there. Or we can say, well, we've been here now we know a little bit of what the country's like. Let's see if it's this, if we can kind of implement that as we travel to this part of the country and augment that experience. It's really kind of served to help us be able to explore a lot more. What were your takeaways from each place? Like, were there some places, I, I mean, I'm not going to ask you, I guess, your favorite, unless you, unless you have favorites or you, you know, you want to list it out of like, we like this more than this. But what were some of the good and bad from each places? Because, I mean, it, it does run the gamut here from Australia, <laughs> New Zealand, f- to the Philippines, to Morocco, to the UK. I mean, it, it's quite different, the cultures, the food, the the society in general. So what did you guys, what did you think about each place? Was there a place that you were in that you thought, I want to stay here longer? Was there a place that you thought one month is enough? Like you said, every country has been so different. And in many cases, not different, but it's, it's just unique. You know, every place is unique. When we got to New Zealand, we were a week or two into it. We were sitting there at a park in the middle of uh, Nelson and we're saying, you know, this is great and all. It's really pretty, but what are we doing? Like, are we really trying to live in another country? Are we really trying to like just go to the stores, get groceries, go to the library? Like, is that what we want to do? And, uh, that's kind of when we decided we do want to do a little bit more exploring. But even if we were in, you know, back home in Dallas or wherever we would end up, like we would want to explore there too. And so like we've been able to take that mentality in every country we go to instead of just living kind of, which is what we initially were sort of planning on. We, we made sure that we are doing different things because of that. I think we've had a love for every single country that we've gone to because we've done different things, put ourselves out of our comfort zone, explored, that being said, we definitely have some favorites. We definitely have some places that we want to be back to, but maybe not before we go back to some of the other countries. <laughs> That's a nice civil uh, answer, right? You're not offending yeah. any of the tourism boards right now. <laughs> Give us some of the ones that, that you really, really enjoyed that you thought, you know, I, I would come back here you know, right away. Like, give us a list of the ones you enjoyed and then maybe a few that you thought, ah, okay, like I wouldn't mind coming back. But like you said, I'd go back to other places first. So as far as the absolute best positive experience we've had so far with the country, I think my wife and I would say different things, but I would say New Zealand. And maybe it's just because it was our first country, kind of the, the whole experience of traveling for the first time. But I think it's more than that. I think there's an absolute value to how beautiful that country is. You know, we, we just loved everything about it. The people were fantastic. The city where we stayed in was just, it was an amazing city. We would live there if we had, could get the opportunity in the future. And then as well, while we were in New Zealand, which I recommend to absolutely everyone, we were on the South Island and, and uh, we got the opportunity to travel around for about a week or so where we were, were actually 
sleeping out of a, a car. Um, you know, it wasn't even a camper. It was a forerunner, uh, just an SUV. And it was perfect because it was just the right size for our small little family. And we would park right on the beach and wake up with the waves, you know, hitting the beach. And we're, we're just sitting there enjoying the sunrise or the sunset. And, and it's just, it's such a fantastic journey and such a great experience and so much beauty that like, you know, we know we haven't seen even a 10th of the country and we would absolutely be back there in a second. And I would, I would live there. How did that trip come about? The forerunner trip? Was that you guys making the decision to do that? Or because you said that you had the opportunity, I don't know if that was, Hey, we're going to do this or someone saying to you, you should do this. How did that <laughs> coalesce? Well, the, the host we were staying with, such an awesome, awesome guy, uh, knew him through Airbnb. And now he's, he's just a great friend that we've been able to keep up with. And uh, he ended up needing to uh, go somewhere for a, about a week, week and a half. And he said, well, you guys are here. I want you to be able to explore all these different places because they're really not far from where you're at now. And in lieu of renting a car, which was your original plan, you can kind of rent it from me because it was a bigger vehicle that we could get. It was, you know, something that we trusted a little bit more and uh, just kind of availability. It worked out much better for us. So we were able to kind of lend it through him. Take that. Honestly, it was only about up to three hours away, all these different places and destinations from where we were staying. And so it just kind of worked out in that way. And the fact that it was a forerunner, you know, we had had a forerunner before we left uh, the U.S. And so we kind of knew what it was going to be like <laughs> sleeping in the back because we've done that before. <laughs> and we looked at the opportunity and we said, yeah, that looks like something we can do. We spent uh, very little money except on gas and a little bit of food. And, you know, it was a very cheap way to go around and see some of the most beautiful places we've ever, ever seen. And we haven't kind of done too much of that since, since it was a pretty unique opportunity, but I think it really made New Zealand the best, the best country for me. All right. So you have New Zealand. So you would say New Zealand, you did say that your wife would say something different. I know it's always bad to speak for your, for our wives. Like Heather hates <laughs> that, but tell me what you think she would say. This isn't a definite. So if she ever comes on, we're not holding her to it, but what would she say was the best place? Uh, hands down, I think she would say Morocco. And that's because we had so many misunderstandings about how it was going to be, about how we would be treated, about how, you know, the landscape even, down to the food, down to the prices, everything. And everything was just perfect. It was so uh, such a great country, just such a surprise experience that I think that really helped, <laughs> if you could say, push us way up the ranks as far as our favorites especially with Carter. I mean, if there's anyone who's got kids is listening that, that is ever thinking of Morocco and saying, well, it's too dangerous or it's too this or too that, just forget about it. I mean, if you're going to certain cities, yeah, maybe keep up those, <laughs> those, those thoughts. Cause we didn't have such a great experience in Marrakesh as we did in the tinier city of Isaura, you know, where we were at, it was just perfect for us. It was this tiny little beach town that was big enough to have you know, the, the souks and the stores and the, everything that kind of, that you think of when you hear Morocco or when you think of Morocco, but the people were so friendly, even down to the taxi drivers. We never got cheated once, <laughs> which is unusual That's for taxi a, drivers yeah. worldwide. Wow. Surprise. Um, and not only that is, you know, Carter would, at this stage, he was making a lot of 
a lot of kind of fun noises trying to learn how to talk and different things. And, you know, we'd, we'd be in the taxi and all of a sudden taxi driver would honk or, you know, would hear a noise outside and Carter would try and mimic it. And the taxi driver would start interacting with Carter. And it was just, it was so fun. Like we enjoyed getting in a taxi. Like what place in the world can you actually say that? (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. So yeah, I think uh, it was such a great experience for both of us, but she, she desperately wants to come back and be in the same place and everything. So it was such a great experience. What is so fascinating for me is that when you were listing out the places that you had been, like you just mentioned, I imagined that w- like when you said Morocco, and that's where Heather's number one place in the world that she wants to go next is Morocco. So that's interesting too. I think it's just, I think it's just a cool place for anyone, but especially for uh, females. Like Heather's really into the textiles. And I think it's just fascinating for that. But what's interesting is when you mention all the countries, I immediately thought man, Morocco must have been the hardest or most dangerous or however you want to put it with a kid. I'm wondering if that's the place that they're going to say we wouldn't return to, right? Like that that was my original thought because, you know, UK, Australia, New Zealand, you kind of know what you're getting into, right? I mean, things are going to be different, but it's cultures that we can really understand because they're very much like ours. And the Philippines, I thought, all right, that might be a little difficult too. But Morocco is the one that in my head immediately stuck out. So it's really cool that for you guys, that is one of the top places you had been because it it seems like it shattered all your preconceived notions as well. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as traveling with a child, you know, that they were so respectful. And I think family, because family is such a strong principle or value there, you know, when we were walking around, we absolutely felt safe. There was not one point when we were even in Marrakesh where we felt unsafe. We really felt that having a kid augmented the experience. I'm sure, you know, when you're traveling under different circumstances or when you are kind of moving really fast or looking for different things, it's easy to look at that and say, well, you know, it wasn't so great or, you know, I I didn't get the experience I was expecting, but I think because we didn't know what to expect, it it really became something that was fantastic. And especially having a kid, just everybody was super, super awesome about it. All right. So then we're not going to let you off the hook without giving us some of the ones that were tougher for you or some of the ones that you that you didn't enjoy as much. Because yeah, everyone wants to hear the ones that are great, but we also want to hear the ones that were tougher. What for you were the ones that you thought, uh, I don't know about this? All right. Our toughest country was Taiwan by far. And it's not because it's a bad place. In fact, we really want to go back there because we want not necessarily a do over, but we know kind of what it's going to be like, what to expect. And then we can take that and say, all right, we're going to go here and we're going to do this and we're going to have this experience. So what made it so difficult, it was still a great country, still loved it, made some great, great friends there. Uh, but what made it so difficult was a couple things. First, we went in about the worst month you could possibly go. <laughs> it was uh, June and it was swelteringly hot, hottest month of the year. And it rains on occasion, but it's, you know, it's not like it's a cool rain. Everything is just muggy, muggy, muggy. So we get off the plane in, Ty- in Taipei and then we were going to take a bus, get on the train and head down south to the southern city of Gaoshan. And as soon as we got off the plane, it was 6.30 in the morning. We get outside and it's just like, it was just a wall of, uh, of humidity. I've never been in a place so, so humid. 
and there's a reason, you know, it's so humid being a trump. It's really a tropical island and it's absolutely beautiful. But, you know, that humidity kept with us the entire time. And it didn't bother us as much as we thought it would, but it definitely was a factor in whether we'd go outside that day or what we were going to do. I think uh, the other hard part, the obstacle, obstacle, I guess, was the language barrier. At this point, you know, Australia and uh, New Zealand were easy since the language was obviously English, but Taiwan, we knew we didn't know any Chinese. We knew we weren't going to learn any Chinese for the most part, but I think we underestimated how hard it would be to navigate ourselves around or to get places or even find out what there is to do without any knowledge of the language. And the hardest part is even if we knew kind of how to speak it, that has no bear, no correlation with how it's written. Right. For the most part. Right. And you said you're in, you're in Shanghai right now, right? Uh, no, we're in Chiang Mai oh, in Thailand. Oh my but goodness. We've, Sorry. <laughs> we've been to Shanghai and also having okay. lived in Japan, I, I can resonate with you because <laughs> two years in, right? I got to a point where I could understand some, I could talk a little bit, but if it was written, forget it. I mean, there was, you know, I'd recognize like five different kanji and they were like the ones that I knew to get off at my bus stop for my school and that was it. So if I'm anywhere that isn't there, you know, it's not like when you're looking at a different language and you're in, let's say you're in Germany, you don't speak German. Well, you know, you sound it out or you can just look at something and remember, oh, it starts with the B-E-R. Okay, well... Good luck remembering what a a character, what a kanji looks like in Chinese or Japanese if you have no idea, right? So, I I I feel you on that for sure. Yeah. So it was it was very hard, kind of doing the same things that we had done in the past with, you know, how we find what to do and you know communication and where to eat even, and we just kind of had to guess on absolutely everything. We were able to make some great friends who uh, showed us different places and really, really made the experience amazing. And there are several other factors as well that made it such a worthwhile country. And we absolutely want to go back there. I think that also helped soften the blow for a lot of the other countries we went to where, you know, Philippines, there was a lot of the same, a lot of similar aspects to it. But because we'd already experienced that, we were much more lax about it, much more understanding of what the process is when we go through that. Same with Morocco. If we had just jumped into Morocco where they, where they speak, French and Arabic, neither language which we have any understanding of at all, it would have been a little bit more difficult not having had that experience before of learning how to swim without even the ability to use Google Maps properly. Yeah, I think every traveler has to go through that. And I think that that's why it's so interesting to ask people their favorite countries or their favorite experiences, their least favorite, because it comes down to your experience there. It's not always the place or what's happening. Now, there are places that people undoubtedly usually love or or might tend to not like as much, but and that just happens because some of them are just great. But I think it, it is. It's everyone's individual experience. And you made a good point with, for you, Taiwan was the first hard country that you came to. And that's interesting because then you were able to say, but Morocco was one of our very favorite. And it probably was because you thought, all right, well, we've already gone through one where we we realize we're not going to know everything that's going on. In New Zealand, Australia, you know everything that's going to go on, right? I mean, 95% of stuff that's happening, except when they say like bits and bobs and, st- and they're <laughs> knackered and stuff like that, you, you have to figure it out. But 
you know, then you get to a country where you're like, now I understand 20% of what's going on. And it's very shocking the first time. And that happened to me and Heather in different countries, you know, and then, but then maybe in Morocco, you understand 20%, but you don't care that you understand 20% because you've already done it and you've survived and you've known. So I think that's a, a really important lesson that you brought up for people because I always get the, you know, people write me and they say, hey, Trav, like I really, everyone says they love this place and I didn't like it. Like, what's wrong with me or, or, or something, you know? And I'm like, nothing. Like, we didn't like Penang, Malaysia for whatever reason, and everyone in this world loves Penang. So it's just, it comes down to your experience. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I think it's, I think it's really important for people to realize that you're not going to love everywhere, or at least it's not going to be like what you expect or as good as the other places maybe, but that's okay because that's what makes the other places so amazing because everything did fall into place in those other places. Completely agree. And it's just one aspect of travel that, especially for longer term travel, like you're going to run into it. Right. And if right. you're not, then, you know, it's worth the experience because it is fun. And it didn't turn, it, it did turn out to be a great experience in the long run. And we're, we cherish the time that we spent there. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a good thing to go through as hard as it is. Travel that no one ever said travel always has to be fun. <laughs> right. Or it always, yeah, no one said it has to always be fun or always be easy. And the more you travel, the more you realize that it's not always fun or easy. For you, you know, you mentioned that you guys saved up quite a bit of money or, you know, you're budgeting when you're at home so that you could take this trip. And it took about a year and a half to, to get everything sorted, both with having Carter and then also with, with saving up. Now you're, you're on a budget. I mean, a lot of people listening are probably thinking, okay, well, that's great. 12 countries, 12 months. I, you know, how can they do it though? Are you working? I mean, I guess we should start with, are you making money while you're traveling or did you simply just save up all the money that you would need to go traveling? I mean, I, I hope you don't mind me using some specific numbers and a lot of people are kind of wary of sharing. No, the more specific, the better. If, if you don't mind, that would be great. Cause a lot of people want to know what is the true cost? You know, people say like, how much should I save up? Give me a number. I'm like, well, you know, it's going to be different, but I'd love for you to <laughs> share specific numbers. That'd be great. So we, you know, we tried to find as much specifics as possible on, you know, given that we're traveling for a year and how we're traveling, how much is it going to be? That didn't exist. So we really had to kind of calculate it out ourselves. And even now, you know, eight months into it is really kind of when we're finally getting a perspective on, oh yeah, this is how much it costs and will cost us for the future. And it's absolutely important to budget because you really do need to figure out how much money you need because that's going to dictate if you need to make money while you're out or if you need to, you know, try and save as much as you can. It should never stop you, but it should be something that you're aware of, I think, if you want to have a successful trip. Because we've spent many, many weeks worrying about whether we're going to make this financially, whether we're going to be able to get past country number six. And after enough worrying about this, you know, it didn't resolve itself. We basically just had to say, you know what, we're just going to do it and we're going to see what's going, what happens. And it's worked out even so. So specific numbers. When we started planning, we estimated we were going to spend about $25,000 total on this trip. Now that means uh, flights, that means all food, all transport, all places to stay. Yeah. Activities, uh, everything. Exactly. So, you know, th and that was, that was what we figured would be kind of bare minimum, I guess you could say, where we're doing some stuff, but not so much that it's, you know, uh, you know, we're not staying in the Ritz. We're not <laughs> eating caviar or anything like that. 
but we still wanted to make sure that we had enough money for those really awesome experiences that you can't get anywhere else. And so that for us, before we realized we had a kid was going to be about $25,000. Now, when we figured out kind of what the true cost was going to be like, at least from what our understanding was, we estimated, and then also I'd like to kind of put in a little plug for Nomadic Matt, who I'm sure a lot of travelers already know, but I bought his book about uh, how you can live uh, or how you can travel around the world for $50 a day. Um, it was very insightful. And his blog was extra insightful as far as at least at the very least getting the motivation that you don't need to be a financially sound person in order to have <laughs> uh, these travel experiences. Uh, Cause we certainly weren't. And anyway, we took kind of our knowledge from that, from, from uh, Matt Kepnes and we said, this is how he did it. $50 a day for one person. He, you know, he went to museums, he plans in all these things. So he's not like, you know, sitting in a room for the whole time he's traveling, but what can we do to make it as cheap for us, except sort of in half. And so instead of 50 per person, we're looking at maybe 60 total. Wow. Okay. Um, and this was, this was all before we had any indication that we were going to have a kid while we we're traveling. And we should mention too, you, you talked about the countries that you were in. It's not like you're going just to cheap countries. Like you're not just, I mean, Thailand, $50 a day, pretty easy, right? I mean, you know, you can spend a lot more, but it's pretty easy to live pretty well here. You're going to the UK, you're going to Australia, you're going to New Zealand. Now you haven't been in the UK or you have been in the UK yet. Yeah. But I mean, you're going to countries that are pretty expensive, at least compared to places that you could go. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how this, how this turned out. So go ahead. So using just kind of the same principles that he had already outlined, you know, he said that $50 a day isn't going to be, you know, universal. It's not going to be like you're in Sweden and you're spending 50 a day. You're probably <laughs> spending 75 to a hundred a day. But when you're in Philippines or when you're in Thailand or, you know, Cambodia or anything that's sort of a cheaper country, you're obviously still not spending 50 a day. You're spending 35 or less. You know, depending on how you travel, and this is what applied more to us, depending on how we traveled, there's going to be days that are cheaper than, than other days, obviously. So it doesn't, it's not that it works out to where, hey, this is my $50 I get to spend today. What am I going to do? It's obviously more of a. It's an average uh, over a long time. Exactly. Exactly. So we kind of figured, though, that the best average for us, given our situation, was going to be by month. And if we could say we're going to spend X amount per month, then we'll have an idea of what we're going to do. And we looked at what that number was. And uh, even with a child, this is after kind of we've had the child and had some time to think about it and, you know, decide what was going to be the best. We looked at all of our options we, and we thought still that instead of increasing that, we're going to try and stick with the $25,000 as much as we could. And that averages out to about two thousand a month for the for the course of the year. As long as we can average two thousand per month, that's not you know a super expensive amount. That's uh, you know I we kind of live cheaply in the U.S. anyway, but I'm I'm not sure what kind of the the going standard amount of monthly expenditure is or anything. But I felt like that was a pretty average to lower amount per month that people generally spend with right. a you know with a three person family that kind of became our, our perspective is not only are we going to be able to travel, have great experiences and everything, we're going to do it under this budget that, you know, we would probably be spending more if we stayed in the U S than we would traveling around. 
because we knew that that was going to be a concern of a lot of people. And, you know, for us as well, since we weren't exactly, you know, winning lotteries or anything. Right, right. And I always tell people, one of the things I tell them is that Heather and I usually spend less or the same amount when we're traveling than when we're at home. And it boggles people's mind. But, you know, obviously, that's kind of the rationale that you were going on as well. And it 100% is possible. You just have to be wary of it, you know? Absolutely. The way it broke down for us is, you know, more expensive countries such as New Zealand, Australia, UK, Italy. Italy, we didn't even know we were going to at the time that we started doing this. We kind of factored in that those are going to be probably more of a 2500 a month kind of country. And then other countries such as South Africa, maybe the US, depending on where we stay. And I, th- I think we thought Taiwan would be this way as well. Then we thought, you know, that'll be about 2000 And then Chile was more of a 2000 as well. But Ecuador, Morocco, Philippines, uh, those were all, you know, 1500 or so. So it ended up averaging out to exactly, you know, 24 And we threw in a little bit extra just to make sure that we were, you know, that we were planning for things that we couldn't plan for. And so somewhere around 25000 and a little bit more. And then with using our points for flights, that was going to drastically help us to keep within that budget or keep as well within that budget as possible. You know, staying for a month period at a time in different places, you know, that. So it worked out. And every every country we've been into so far, with the exception of maybe, I think with the exception of Australia, we have stayed under our budget. And so wow. New Zealand, we were under 2,500. Uh, Australia... I think we were twenty five sixty, and I've I've kept a pretty religious tracking of every everything that we've spent. And Taiwan surprisingly was you know much cheaper. It ended up being uh, I think seventeen hundred or something for us. We got an apartment for like three hundred fifty dollars for the month. Wow! Uh, and then you look at uh, the Philippines, so it was under fifteen hundred dollars, and it just it worked out in every country. And you know sometimes we would look at our budget toward the let. The last week, and we'd say, "Hey, we've got an extra three hundred. What are we going to do?" And in Italy, we'd buy extra gelato, or we'd, <laughs> you know, do different things here and there. And uh, sometimes it was the opposite, where we're like, "All right, I guess we're going to be laying low for the next couple of days," and that was okay. We just wanted to make sure that we stuck as much within our budget, but didn't sacrifice sort of the the reason that we're in that country or things that are unique to that country. Right. And then, so what are a few ways then that you've been able to travel, like to, to save the money, because you're talking that you're under, um, which is awesome. What what are some things that you've done or that you've learned over the course of the you know of the months that you've been out that you can cut costs here, here, and here, and still have as good, if not better, of an experience? As far as like kind of cutting costs, uh, you know, staying in a place for a month was probably the best thing that we could have done. And it's you know we've we'll book an apartment for a month and then we'll get to the country and then someone will say, Hey, you really need to go here. And then we'll, we'll look at that and say, well, we need to go there for a couple of days for it to be worth it. And we'll go ahead and do that. And it's okay. Cause we've saved enough money to where we can make that trip out. Even though we are technically booking two places at once. Like it's, it's just okay. Cause if you were taking a trip back home, what would you do? You're still paying rent. It's not like you're stopping your rent and you're going out on that trip and you're paying for the hotel or the room or whatever you're doing. And so, you know, looking into that perspective, we could look at it and say, well, that's wasted money, but it really wasn't since if we were doing the same thing in the States, that's what, that's exactly what it would cost. Right. That's what normal people do when they travel, right? <laughs> they have a house and they don't stop right. paying their mortgage or rent. They just go and take three days somewhere and get a hotel or something. 
absolutely. Um, I think the other advantage for us is because kind of we're in that transitionary period in our lives, we didn't have uh, any rent that we had to worry about. We didn't have a house payment or anything like that. We sold everything that was going to cost us money. <laughs> and then as far as our car, we just sold that because we figured we'd get more out of it now than we would in a year when we come back. We really kind of, we did everything we could to sell everything we had and we were able to save, you know, not much, but a little bit there. And then actually, you know, kind of, to be honest, when we started the year of 2013, we were, we were about $12,000 in debt. And that's because of school. That was because of <laughs> just uh, not being very smart with our money while we traveled the year previous. It was a huge burden. And I'm sure anyone who's been in debt can relate because it's just, it just feels like this heavy bag on your shoulders that you're carrying around. And we came up with a strategy to get rid of that debt, but we kind of figured we weren't really going to be able to save any money in the process, which meant that we were going to have to work while we were out, which is fine, but we still didn't have a plan for that. So right. all these things, there was a lot of, a lot of pins that had to fall down for this to happen. But amazingly, you know, just, just with the job that I had, we were able to get out of debt by September of that year. I was able to take on some side projects. I ended up sort of as part of the process. I, I left the job I was at and started doing my own freelance web design marketing consulting business and was able to pick up a couple clients uh, initially that were much larger deals than I was expecting, which gave us a really good kickstart as far as um, savings go. By the time we left, we had about, well, we would have had 10,000 saved, but we had spent some of that on plane tickets on, you know, or the places that we were staying. Cause we wanted to book that a couple months in advance and different expenses that were related to the travel. Uh, so ultimately it came down to the fact that when we left from the money that we had saved and the things that we had purchased already, we were able to make it through our third country, Taiwan and not have to worry about work or anything like that. Wow. After that, it was pretty much, what are we going to do? Right. <laughs> and, right. Uh, thankfully with the business that I have, I've been able to put about 20 to 30 hours into it. And thankfully, because the internet is everywhere, I've been able to maintain phone calls and keep up emails and uh, do everything that I've needed to do to, to do my job right without taking so much time out of my day that it makes it almost not worth it. Right, right. You've been able to travel and enjoy it while also maintaining a business, but not making the business rule the life, like sitting inside every day and saying, what's even the point of being here type thing. <laughs> right. And there's been days like that. Sure, <laughs> sure. Of but, course. <laughs> you know, the, the payoff is that, you know, having the flexibility to say, you know what, I want, you know, we just heard about this place and everyone says go there. We didn't know we were going to end up there, but hey, we really want to go. And now all of a sudden I can take three days off. I don't have to worry about, you know, a job I'm missing or, or uh, what are those things? Days off? Is that what they call it? Yeah. <laughs> days off. Um, I didn't have to worry about that. And it's so comforting knowing that, you know, we have a way to get money and keep and continue traveling, being able to pay for the travel, but not to the extent where that's all I'm doing. Right. And one of the things I, I think, I mean, we've mentioned this a bunch throughout the podcast, but I think the slow traveling and the monthly rentals, if people are looking to do an extended trip, it's 
unbelievable. Now, say do as I say, not as I do, because we're here in Chiang Mai and we've been running daily for about what will come out to about three and a half weeks now because we kept thinking we were going to leave and then we didn't. So, you know, we're, you know, we would have probably saved ourselves about 200 bucks had we, had we rented monthly or th- even 300. And we didn't. And that's fine because we have the flexibility, but we have friends here who have rented monthly for basically the same time that we've been here and they have a, you know, a nicer place and they're paying 600 bucks, whereas we're paying, we were paying like 750. So, uh, you know, with the monthly, thing. If you are going to travel slower, try to make it a month or at least even two weeks and you can negotiate prices down. Even two weeks on Airbnb, we found that you can easily negotiate with hosts. They want someone in there. And if it's if it's long enough for them, they'll be happy to negotiate it down. They're not going to negotiate probably for three days, but two weeks or especially if you're going for a month. And Scott, if you don't mind if we can maybe do this, maybe in the show notes, the places that you've stayed, if they're ones that you would recommend, I don't know if you've had any that you wouldn't recommend, but if there are ones that you recommend, we could even link up the actual Airbnb listings for people maybe coming through that area. Because people always want to know where we stay and if we can give them recommendations. So maybe that would be something cool we could do if if that's possible. Absolutely. would love to. Awesome. Well, there you guys have it. I, Scott, I'm really glad that you broke down the budget I love the details of it. I love that obviously you've been able to stay under budget and still be able to do the travel and do the trip in the way that you want it. What else do you guys have in the pipeline that people should be looking out for, either personally or professionally? So with our trip, with our website and everything, we you know, we might well, we will be stopping traveling. We're not gonna be doing this year long constant travel anymore. But what we do want to do, like I said before, is carry on every year. Uh, with a, a, the chance to live in a country for one to three months uh, with their family. I think that that's a fairly unique thing. And I think that's something that we'd like to still write about. Additionally, like there's there's plenty of places in the U.S. that we haven't gone and we want to go. And so we're planning on traveling a lot there and just writing about our experiences. And so, you know, the website and the the project may be called 12 Countries in 12 Months, but we're hoping and expecting this to last much longer than that. Because this is something that, you know, it's opened our eyes and writing about it and the experiences that we've been able to share, I think have at least in part been helpful and we want to continue to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. I think there's no reason to stop. I mean, you know, this is the original thing that got you to writing was the 12 countries, but there's so much out there and your guys site is a, it's a wealth of knowledge for people looking to do it with a child or even without a child. Could you break down very concisely the amount of money you're spending and how exactly you're doing it, which is what I always loved about the site is that it is a real roadmap for people who want to do the same thing. So I appreciate you coming on. Um, You better believe that when Heather and I have a child, I'll be picking your brain left and right for advice. (laughs) Um, Before I let you go, remind people how they can come connect with you and how they can come find you again. You can always go to our page at 12countries.com, all written out or the numbers, whichever you'd like. And as well, we have a, we love posting things on our social media, primarily Facebook and Instagram. So you could find us at Instagram.com slash 12 countries. That one's all written out. And you can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash one, two, capital C. countries. <laughs> just uh, search 12 you know, countries just, in Facebook. Just right? search 12 countries. You'll find it. And we'd always love to hear from you. If you've got any suggestions or any comments or anything from what I've said, experiences you'd love to share, feel free to come and write us a message and connect. We'd love to hear from you and find out more about what your story is. 
Awesome. Thank you, Scott. And guys, I do urge you, check out 12countries.com, written out, T-W-E-L-V-E, countries.com. A great looking website, Scott. I know you designed it yourself. So really cool looking website, as well as just a lot of information there, very easy to digest and read through. Check out 12countries.com. Guys, also, if you want to get the show notes for this episode, we will be linking up the Airbnb places, plus all the things that we've talked about. You can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods, P-O-D-S. You can also check out our new brand new web design. So I know a lot of people who are listening to the podcast don't always visit the website, but we do have a brand new site up there. Uh, hopefully you like it a lot more. It's much easier and way less chaotic than when I created it two and a half years ago. And I will remind you guys again, we are running the survey, extrapackofpeanuts.com slash survey. Let us know what you want to hear. It takes less than five minutes. You have a chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card. And as well as if you want a topic or you know, a lot of people came to me and said they wanted to talk about traveling with a child or a newborn. I didn't know anything about that. I recruited Scott to help us with that. So if you have a topic or a guest you want me to bring on, you can always email me, trav at extrapackofpeanuts.com. Or of course, you can tweet us at Pack of Peanuts. Scott, once again, thanks so much for coming on and being a part of the EPOP Success Stories portfolio. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Travis. As always, guys, thanks for the support. Thank you for making us a top 100 podcast on iTunes. And until tomorrow, happy free travels.